KZSU's Stanford University's FM radio station broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro. Thank you, Michael, for our guest today. Please welcome Jack Matthews, principal of John Matthews Architects and former mayor of San Mateo, California. John Matthews Architects is a design-oriented, full-service architectural firm located in downtown San Mateo. Since its establishment in 1986, the firm has enjoyed working creatively and collaboratively with a wonderfully diverse set of clients, including homeowners, businesses, religious and community nonprofit organizations, developers, and local municipalities. For more information, you're welcome to visit www.matthewsarchitects.com. That's www.matthewsarchitects.com. Hello, Jack. We're honored and fired up to have you here on the Modern Architect Radio Show. I'm pleased to join you here. Thank you so much. Jack, I'd like to start with, you know, what were uh, some early inspirations for you to to being an architect, if you can recall back, as uh, what you're doing now, what you've been doing recently, and kind of, if you can see something, uh, since we're in the green room talking about childhood, that that may have started, you know, early, early on for you, where you can recall, I see why I wanted to do what I'm doing now. Well, it sort of evolved. Um, When I was about seven or eight years old, I, my sister and I were, uh, we, we would go to Novato and stay at my great grandparents' house for about a week. And my great grandfather was a contractor. Oh, right. And he would build, at that time, he was semi retired, but he would build one house every other year. And that was his income. And uh, so when I would stay there, I, he would allow me to pound nails and <laughs> help him, you know, <laughs> saw t- studs and stuff like that. And I really got into, Construction, I really liked it a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe I'll be a contractor or something like that. And then as I got older, uh, I studied art. My mom was an artist. And uh, nice. I really got into sculpture a lot. And, you know, architecture is really sculpture in a way. Uh, I like that. I've never heard that. Really? Well, yeah, I think it is. How and, so? Well, um there's an architect that I studied in school, and his name was Eric Mendelssohn. And okay. uh, I just brought a drawing to show you. Uh, he, oh. he, he, it seemed like he was designing buildings from the outside in instead of the inside out. And so he would okay. kind of draw his concept of what the building ought to look like. At least that's my impression of what he was doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, more recently, I was at the Monterey Design Conference in uh, – Pacific Grove, and um, the there were architects there from uh, Europe and in Japan who, when you look at their work, you kind of wonder, well, how did they, you know, they, they one was like a, a big cube with perforations in it, and it's an office building, and you wonder, well, did they design the cube first and then try <laughs> to figure out how the offices fit inside? Um, but, you know, when I was studying architecture, I thought about it, it, it in some ways as sculpture, and uh, but 
you know, it has a practical, it's very, has to be very practical, has to work. And so, you know, the phrase form follows function. Mm -hmm. It's something that we do need to pay attention to. And and I think maybe we've overdone it more recently in the, you know, in the, in the recent past, but I think in more in the future now, as we move forward, we're seeing a lot more buildings, I think, that try to be more interesting, more sculptural from the outside. So when you see them, they, you know, the skyscrapers don't just go straight up as a, you know, yeah. as an obelisk, but they have twists to them and all kinds of things go on. So getting back to your question, you know, art and architecture to me um, are, are very central to what it's all about. And, and for me, sculpture uh, is something that I, I thought about doing instead of architecture um, but then I saw how challenging it was to... <laughs> I love it. I saw how challenging it was to be a sculptor, so I decided to be an architect. Well, I mean, you can be a sculptor and starve, you know. Okay, and, okay. And, um, was at least, it financial? At least you get or? a degree of... A, when you get a degree in architecture you, and you're reasonably competent, you can get a job and work. Okay. And, you know, but if you're an artist, I mentioned to you my, my uh, one of my children is an, 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 um, an actor, uh-huh. and she has to depend on people, you know, hiring her, you know, oh, okay. and, and the same thing with, yeah. you know, art in general, it's, uh, it's a difficult profession, I think. And, uh, yeah. so, you know, but I chose architecture, not in as a default, but I just sort of, um, you know, I was just interested in history and science and all those things are part of what architects do. Yeah. And Cal Poly, correct? Yes. Yes. You know, I, I was accused. It was, this is a great piece. Is uh, I had a couple, few guests, and they were from Cal Poly, and I, and I would always either they bring up or I talk about it, and then someone said, "Will you lay off the Cal Poly love?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, yes, but if they if they stop putting out good people, so what is it about Cal Poly that really has a, uh, I don't know, just like a practicalness with them when they come from uh, school from Cal Poly?" Well, the motto at Cal Poly is "Learn by doing." Learn by doing. Learn by oh, doing. Okay. I, and, okay. uh, you know, I graduated in 1972, and uh, I was one of a class of 400 that entered as, you know, freshmen. And out of that group of 400, 150 graduated in architecture, in oh. architecture design. Oh. So it's, it's grueling. It's challenging. It's certainly very rewarding if you stick yeah. with it. And you have to really want it. And it has to be a good fit. Um, so the people that make it through there are kind of hardened by the experience in a certain way. I mean, tempered, maybe is the right yeah. word. And, tempered. I like that. And, um, There's a sculptory yeah. feel to it. Tempered. Uh, you know, we, we, we learn principles of design, but also uh, about structural uh, elements, you know, really very rigid, rigid, rigorously schooled yeah. in structure and the practical aspects of construction itself. So uh, people who graduate from Cal Poly tend to be employable at, right after school, whereas some other schools are they're more steeped in architecture theory. Um, they may be coming up with some great designs, you know, in school, but when they get out of school, firms aren't going to hire them to, to do design. They're going to hire them to do construction documents and that kind of thing and work on a computer because that's what they need. The boss wants to do the design. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you, you serve an internship and ultimately you get to be much more creative. Yeah. So do you look for um, 1986 is when you begin your own practice, correct? Yes. 86. Okay. Um, 
what what inspired you to start your your own practice? Um, I wanted to be my own boss for okay. one thing, and and uh, also I, you know, I I'm somewhat amp- entrepreneurial, and I had I was married with four children, and needed to make more oh, money. Okay, <laughs> and um, I didn't see that I had you know I I was working for a great architect, um, but I I wanted to be my own boss and and to. Um, be in charge of everything about yeah. the office and and to work near my home and so um and I decided to do it I, looking back it was I wouldn't advise one of my children to do that when you're really really thir- you really went 39 and four kids oh. and no no you know just one job and you 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 quit your job and go to work you're bold that's yeah. bold. I could say I could say something stronger, but I know this is yeah. public. But that's really bold at that to do it at that age. Yeah, well, you know what happened too was I went to my bank and I said, "Well, I need to borrow some money to, to start my business." <laughs> okay, and they said, "Well, that's fine. Why don't you come back in a year and show us your, you know, your profits and loss statement, and we'll loan you some money." And I said, "Well, I need it now. I don't need. It. <laughs> I don't need it a year from now." And I, so I was very lucky. A friend to loan me some money, and I was able to get started and. And uh, I got another bank too. Oh yeah, I bet. Now, were you? Did you start in San Mateo as well? Yes. Okay, yes. and you're on Fourth, correct? On, is no, fourth? I was on. I was on San Mateo Drive. Okay, that was yeah. San Mateo Drive. Now you're on. And f- just very coincidentally, I, I found this office space that turned out to be formerly the, the office space for an, by uh, that was uh, designed and built for another architect. So, really? Yeah, okay. So an architectural space, just one big open studio space. It was yeah. great. Yeah. So, what type of projects are you? Did you start working with a commercial, residential, both? Mostly residential, really? okay. single family homes, remodelings, additions, some commercial work, but fairly modest. Uh, and then it just over time it it morphed into other pra- practices, so other work. And so, in the office right now, we we have uh, three three church projects. We we're doing uh, high tech office spaces. Um, we're doing restaurant work, uh, multifamily. Yeah, I work. noticed a, quite a range. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that by design, or did it just kind of organically happened or holistically? Well, I, I, you know, it's partly we try to do just about anything that people want us to. You know, if they uh. come in and they, you know, you want this or you want that, we say, okay, we'll do it. And uh, yeah. you know, architects are problem solvers, and, and that's what design's all about. And I think if you know you you approach projects very. Um, logically, deliberatively, um, you can do lots of things. We don't do high-rise office buildings. So that's that's yeah. really quite a, or a spe- quite a specialty. Or, you know, medical facilities, things like that. But we do smaller, you know, office buildings. We did a a, a, a retreat center that was a good-sized project. Local and, here? Or? Yeah, it's in the off of Skyline. Okay, and uh, it has. Think thirty-seven rooms, and um, you know, it, and, a, and a lodge building, and it's it's on our website. You can check. Yeah, it out. no, I definitely will. Now, you, you said problem solvers. We're going to jump a little ahead to this, but being a problem solver is, I, I have the the firm belief that, um, as I shared with you before, that I think architects ought to be mandated, and that might be really a reach, but also at least mayors are in a very civic, at a high level uh, decision-making for, in civics. And you are former mayor of San Mateo, California, correct? Twice? Two, two, two times. Two yeah. times, and I've said almost a third. Share with us how, how that came about from your practice. 
Oh, it evolved over time, and I, okay. uh, I'm by nature kind of a, a shy person in public, or I have been. But um, first of all, just getting involved with my kids and the Boy Scouts, and having to be a scout leader so that they could be in the Boy Scouts, and then. Uh, while I was president of AIA San Mateo County, the executive director for our chapter recruited me to be on the board for HIP Housing, and that's a nonprofit housing uh, corporation that provides housing solutions for people in terms of shared housing and uh, apartments uh, that they rent out and manage, and and uh, uh, there's a couple of other programs that they uh -huh. do. And I, so I served on that board, and that got me more involved in the community and, and um, known by various people. And then I applied for the planning commission. I wanted to do that because I could see that there were uh, projects coming down the pike that were really going to make a difference in my city. And that one was uh, the redevelopment of what was called Mariner's Island that now is called Bridgepoint. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, yeah. that was a big project. And when I got in on the ground floor to be able to help influence what happened there. And then um, there was Bay Meadows was re yeah. redeveloped in two phases. The first phase being the, the uh, practice track and, and some mm -hmm. adjacent buildings. And that was, uh, I think, around 70 acres. Is that and, Franklin and Kaiser there not? Franklin, Franklin's there. Kaiser's in phase two. Yeah. Okay. But Franklin is there and there's, you know, it's, it, it, um, Peter Calthorpe was the urban designer that put together a master plan for phase one. And it, I think it was br brilliantly done yeah. and, and works really well. Uh, and, and phase two is now, I would say about two thirds done and of, and that's 83 acres. Uh, where the original racetrack was and the barns and all that. And that whole process which took place and overlapped several years. So from maybe, I don't know, 1995 or so until now even. Um, so for me, being as an architect, being on the city council, it gave me the opportunity to really make a difference in, in our urban environment and make our community life richer and better. Excellent. Let's touch back on that when we return. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. State of the Human is the weekly radio hour of the Stanford Storytelling Project. Wednesdays at 5 p.m., the show creatively weaves personal stories from the Stanford community members around a single common human experience. The theme could be about anything that sheds new light on what it means to be human. In the words of people here at Stanford, tune in every Wednesday from 5 until 6 p.m. to 90.1 FM KZSU or on the web at kzsu.stanford.edu slash live. The podcast is also available on iTunes. Now, back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Jack Matthews, principal of John Matthews Architects and former mayor of San Mateo, California. For more information feel free to visit www.matthewsarchitects.com. That's www.matthewsarchitects.com. Jack, you were talking about making a like, positive difference in the community. Um, is that just kind of, is, is, that, is that also a culture within your practice? Well, certainly whatever okay. we do, we want to um, uh, improve, you know, the, the not just, 
the building or create a building that you know serves the function that uh, we're designing it for, but it should be a contribution to the fabric that it's in. Um, and in terms of being uh, civically involved, if you look back at it in the downtown San Mateo, for instance, in the last 20 years, which is, I was on, on the city council and the planning commission for 20 years, ending in 2015. Um, a lot's going on down there, and and if you if you can compare that with what what it was like about 25 years ago, uh, B Street, for instance, was very quiet at night. Now you can't That's find a parking space. Yeah. You can't find a parking <laughs> space. There's yeah. there's a, more than 150 restaurants in the downtown. It's a really a happening. Is there really place. that many now? Yeah, 150. Yeah. Wow. And so, and it's a place that y- younger people, millennials, really like being in. Whereas before, they wouldn't be caught dead there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, to me, I mean, community is very important. And and uh, I, in, in my uh, fourth year of architectural school, I was able to go to school in Florence and live there for a year. And, oh, you did? Oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and part of that for me was experiencing what a real city is like, living, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of living in the suburbs, and living in a city like Florence where it's all pedestrian-oriented in the downtown area, which is more or less where we were, those cities uh, evolved over time on the pedestrian scale, not that automobile scale like where we are right now. And it's much more compatible with human interaction and a real sense of community. People know each other, and and uh, it's their, their life is this really different. You know, the 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 uh, yeah. I want to hear this. this and, uh, just, I'm getting excited as you're talking. So, how was that? I mean, you come from you came from here, California. Yeah. To Florence, Italy. Was it just like wow? I mean, no. Like, uh, how would you even describe it? Well, you know, there were days when I just would stop and think how lucky I am to be there. You know, it was just oh. what a wonderful experience. And I felt kind of, felt kind of special about it. Um, I went there as a student with the California State uh, University system. They have a program uh, in Florence. And the architecture department from Cal Poly uh, every year would send out oh, 15 or so students that uh, could qualify, and they and and they had a, a, a curriculum just for architects, which was great. I mean, we weren't the only ones in the school that were come from California. They were, you know, art majors, music majors, language majors, history, and all that. But um, it's still, uh, it was perfect because we didn't have to worry about uh, when we came back making sure that we got all the credits for what we were doing and all that. I had, I had a class on. Uh, Music that went from, you know, um, uh, Gregorian chants through uh, Renaissance, you know, Baroque, and, and all the way up to present day, and, and it was fascinating. I just loved it. So you get things like that that you might not get in your own sure. school, at, you know, back in California, and also there were art classes that we could take, uh, you know, at, at uh, the university. And sounds where, magical. It is, and yeah. you could go to the Academia and and uh, see Michelangelo's sculptures, and what was that and like? the real David is there, yeah. you know. So and and you know the uh, and we had a class just on Michelangelo, for instance, you know, that was by a famous author that wrote you know, an autobi—I mean, a, a biography of Michelangelo—and went through uh, the you know the Sistine Chapel and the, uh, and oh. the ceiling with the, you know the. Uh, 
the creation, I think it is. I can't remember. Yeah. What, uh, and and we studied each panel and and the history about that. They weren't. There's there's a story behind each one, and so it was a very special experience. Um, also, I'm half Italian, so um, <laughs> I got to learn the language and you know just experience that whole culture, which was great. It stuck with me. Although even, even now. I could see I could see you right now, Jack. You're, yeah. you're you're here but not here when you were describing that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back. Oh my goodness. So so you brought back that how much influence did it really have in your in your your life and work? If you can it was a year, correct? Yeah. It was a year. Okay. Uh, well about nine months of school and then uh, about two months or so of traveling after the school year was over. So I had essentially three semesters of Italian, very intensive Italian in the beginning, like six hours a day the first semester. And uh, that was really challenging. Um, but we got to travel, and that was my first year of marriage too, so I kind of combined a lot of things oh. at once. And <laughs> and when we got home, uh, my You're wife You're a life was, liver, Jack, that's for sure. My wife was expecting our first child. So <laughs> we, we were very active while we were there, and um, it was... it. It it was a great experience, and I've carried it through to to present day. You know, we still use Italian around the house, and my wife's Italian too. So oh, great, um, and uh, there's just a lot of things about the culture that are really simpatico. They say oh, yeah. you know, with yeah. us, yeah. and and how we grew up, and, and you know, even though I'm like fourth generation, my wife is first generation here. Um. Still, there's a lot of the, you know, the love of food, the love of music, the love of art. Um, people the laughing, people, the whole the people, everything. The way people interact. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all uh, really uh, something that I value and cherish. Yeah. So it sounds, now I'm starting to see how San Mateo became that sort of, is, it's actually becoming still, that sort of having that sort of vibrancy. Yeah. And, and you, you know, one of the things that... <laughs> The, the, the staff got kind of tired of hearing me say this, but I, I always, <laughs> um, as as the mayor, I was always pushing for a downtown plaza, a piazza downtown. Okay. And um, I know, you know, we've talked about different places it could be, and it's been it it just takes a long time to have something like that happen. I, I think Redwood City has done a wonderful yeah, job. Yeah, they sure have. Yeah. You know, and I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> yeah. No, they've done a marvelous <laughs> but, job. You know, there, we yeah. have a downtown Central Park. Yeah. There's 16 acres there, and it's great for lots of different events. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to have something like a, just a a plaza in the downtown where, you know, with a uh, a little cafe next to it yeah. and places with people that people can sit around tables and 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 uh, just have a cup of coffee and, and uh, watch uh, their neighbors walk by and say hello and yeah. see the kids and whatever, you know, and, and be part of a community, interact. Which I think is so important in our culture, which it just doesn't happen that much in the in the suburbs, you know, because they were developed in a different model altogether, and and uh, we need to get back to that yeah. earlier kind of concept of what a city is and how you how do you relate to um, your fellow citizens. Yeah, what's your thought on? Uh, my take is uh, uh, having a, a mayor of cities have to have not have to, but be have a, a an architecture bent to them and how how it positively impacts a city. Is there? I would think there's an advantage to that that uh, you just can't get if you don't have that. And you're just running because uh, you won, <laughs> I guess. 
Well, you know, the people that are on city councils, they don't just um, vote on urban design issues. There's budgets. There's uh, labor relationships. There's bonds and all kinds of things that um, weren't as interesting to me, but, you know, things (laughs) that, uh, you know, I wanted, you know, as part of the job. As the only architect on the council uh, for 12 years, I kind of enjoyed uh, the, the ear of my colleagues about, you know, these questions about urban design and whether, you know, um, we should have greater height or greater density and whether that project was well designed and going to fit into an, the environment in a good way is it a contribution to mm-hmm. to our community and um, so it is kind of a special place there I mean my colleagues would be retired perhaps or attorneys or um, people in business but no architects <laughs> I know, know. So. Is, is, is why do you think that is or maybe just take a Sam, why do you think they're they're not as engaged as civic? There's, it takes a fair amount of time okay. to be civically involved in that way, and um, architects are a lot of nose to the grindstone kind of folks. They're, you know, they're in their their offices, their ivory towers, and they're working away on their designs, and uh, they they don't have time or don't want to take time um, to get involved in that way, and and. And for some, I think they might even be thinking, well, if I do that, I'm going to not be able to do some projects because there'll be a conflict of interest, for instance. Okay. And, okay. you know, so when I was mayor, I was spending probably 20 hours a week uh, in, in city business. And um, that's, you know, that takes a lot of time out of a week. And I was used to working six days a week anyway, or five and a half. So it was... There's a lot of challenges there, and you just have to. For me, I had to have a have a good staff, and they were able to cover for me, and I uh, felt I feel very fortunate for that. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to be back, though. Yeah, you, know? you do have great staff. I've met several, and they're terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm very I'm grateful yeah. for that. Yeah, so that's a good reason. It's the, it sounds like time is number one. Time is a lot of it. Also, temperament, maybe. Um, I thought, well, architects... Uh, <laughs> Did it try you? I mean, really, like, were you ever, like, God, for crying out loud, what the heck can I get myself into? Well, <laughs> you know, you have to respect the public process and um, the people's right to speak, and it can get very, uh, you know, tedious sometimes because people have something they care passionately about, legit, legitimately, but you may have 20 people that come in and all want to speak for three minutes. On, on that one oh. subject. Okay? So there's there's an hour. It's gone, right? And um, that's oh. not unusual. And, you know, you just have to... And we're all on, we're on TV, too, so there's... Oh, you have to be very cognizant. Yeah. You're on TV. Don't roll your eyes. Don't, <laughs> don't make funny faces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pay attention. Give them that. So it, it's, it requires a certain amount of discipline and, um, you know, and patience. But I think architects are suited. To, I mean, they're they're used to doing presentations to planning commissions and clients, and uh, so they're used to public speaking and and uh, trying to uh, get their ideas across. And so I think we do have the training for it. And and I I wish that more 
would get into public service. What I can see is that beyond the local level, though, it's difficult. And I think, you know, in the last 20 years or so, 30 years, we've only had one architect nationally who's been in the ca- in the Congress. And one? One. As far as I know, his name is Dick Sweat, and he lives in, uh, in um, uh, New Hampshire. He used to live here, and he's the brother. He's the son-in-law of, of um, Tom Lantos. Actually. Okay. Tom Lantos was congressman yeah. from San Mateo. So, um, and, and the problem is that if, if you're going to be even on the board of supervisors, that's a pretty full-time job. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty full-time. So, and if you want to go to the state assembly or the Senate, you might as well just hang up your <laughs> your shingle and your whatever and forget it because uh, you're not going to be doing architecture. You're going to be doing government, uh, you know, interaction with people. And 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 that's fine, but I, I wasn't willing to do that. And I can understand why a lot of architects wouldn't want to do that. It's because basically it's, you know, going through architecture school is very rigorous and, and you really have to want it. And then once you gotten your license and everything after a minimum of eight years, you don't want to just give it up and do something else like that. Uh, so um, for me, architecture is the core, my core of what I do, yeah. and it is who I am. Excellent. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue returns to San Francisco, along with the Rachmaninoff Symphonic Dances and Tippett's Four Ritual Dances, in performance by the San Francisco Symphony on March 10th in SF's Davies Symphony Hall. For tickets, call 415-864-6000. That's 415-864-6000. Or visit sfsymphony.org for a night of Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue and music of Rachmaninoff and Tippett. Now back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Jack Matthews, principal of John Matthews Architects and former mayor of San Mateo, California. For more information, you're welcome to visit www.matthewsarchitects.com. That's www.matthewsarchitects.com. Jack, what recent projects have you been working on uh, if you're at liberty to share with us that uh, are rather interesting for our in our in our local area here the peninsula well uh, we are working right now on we're in a design competition with a developer to do a project in the downtown of San Mateo that that uh, takes advantage of re redeveloping two uh, blocks really uh, that are public parking and in one, creating, I think it's 164 units of housing, rental housing. And on the other, um, a parking structure with about 600 parking spaces for parking in the downtown. And this, this rental housing is, it's workforce housing is what we're calling it. What's and it called? Work? Workforce housing. And okay. what, we're, what we're aiming for is a, well, it'd be 35% below market rate which is below 120% of the median income of, of San Mateo County. For, and then um, the rest of it is still moderate in, in respect that we're, we're trying to provide housing for middle-income people who can't normally afford housing in the county. I mean, teachers, 
librarians, nurses, uh, people who work for the cities, and uh, police officers, firefighters. We want to do a project where those people can uh, live in our city and be here, be part of the community, because in other respects they are. And by the way, you don't want firefighters and, and nurses and, and police officers in Hayward <laughs> when the earthquake hits and the, you yeah. can't cross the bridge. Yeah, um, very true. So it's all about having a diverse community, uh, really helping uh, the people who are, are providing really vital services to us in various ways. And uh, we think that's an important thing to do. So when you ask me what's exciting, yeah. it, that's something really exciting. And also the concept about how that building is being built. It, it's going to be built with a steel structure that is sort of like a tinker toy um, really? system. Tinker so it's, toy? <laughs> well, it's put together with prefab elements that uh, bolt oh. together. They slide into place and they're bolted together and they can erect a building in a remarkable length of time. It's very short. Really? Yeah. What's your, how is your, is this a new uh, experience with prefab in, 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 at this, to this degree? This is my first experience. Is it really? It. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But th- th- this company that we're working with. Are they local with, from the United States? They're uh, from Hayward. Hayward. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I know. I'm really like, wow, that's great. It's you a know? company called Connect Techs. Okay. Connect Tech. And they, they, they specialize in doing steel structures. And um, they have a number of them around and especially in California. And um, there's one, in, I think it's in uh, Pasadena, I believe. How does it um, look? I'm curious. I mean, we're on radio, so it's going to be hard to say. But how would you describe, I know you said the well, Tinker Toys. Well, you can make it look the way you want it to. I mean, you can you have... really? So could it be modern or could it look traditional yeah, if you needed to or wanted to? I suppose it could, but it's, you know, it, it's basically like a steel space frame. Okay. And it's modular. And so you can dress it up however you want to do it, but I think the tendency would be, look, it's modern, express, have a modern expression for what you're doing. And um, so it's, I think it's an exciting concept and it's something that we have to really consider as we go forward in the future, not just for what, the, you know, the user that I was talking about, mm-hmm. but um, I know that uh, Kaiser, for instance, is, oh, yeah. is having a number of clinics and hospitals that they are do. using the exact same system because they can go up so quickly uh, and efficiently. It saves them a lot of money and, and time. Um, and we have to be looking at that as we go forward, you know, when, you know, we have robots that can do all kinds of things in terms <laughs> of cutting steel and welding and everything else. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the future. And I, I don't think it's putting people out of work. It's just create. It's it's just creating more volume of work. It's more efficient, and so more projects can be done. I like that. So it's not eliminating work. It's actually creating more volumes of work. Right. Yeah. And you know, for instance, now we have a huge housing shortage uh, in, in the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. this is one way that you can you know meet that need. You know. 164. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what's the time frame doing it? Th- um, this way as opposed to what was available, say, 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, gee. Is there a, is there a quantified number, you know, 10%, 20% fast? I'd be guessing. I, but I, I would guess it's probably 30% quicker. Oh, that's pretty significant, though. Yeah. Yeah, th- uh, over 10 years ago, the way it was done. Yeah. 
Okay, so it's up 30% faster. Well, we're, yeah. we're not just talking about the structural system here, yeah. but then the panelization of all the elements that fit inside would be built in a factory like in Richmond, for instance. Okay. And so they those those walls would be uh, brought in and they have, you know, the wiring is already inside, the plumbing is already inside, uh, insulation as appropriate, and sheetrock, paint, everything is done, delivered, and then installed. And it's done by union people. So it's not like we're putting yeah. you know, skilled people out of out of work. No, they're just they're not necessarily always. They're not working hundred percent on the job. They're working in a factory, nice and warm, and yeah. you know, safer yeah, and all so. that. You know, yeah. so it's it's just another way of 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 uh, meeting the demand and and the needs of of our modern age. Yeah. Do you see more, much more of that happening occurring in the future, even yeah, on a yeah. residential level? Well, there are some companies that have tried to do that. Uh, one was called Blue Homes, for instance. Yeah, I've, I've heard of them, yeah. And those are manufactured homes that are really quite attractive. And uh, they're still, you know, producing homes, although they're not doing it locally. That's what I understand. I think they're from Boston, but I'm not quite sure. We, we, we did one uh, in San Carlos. That it's under construction right now. It's a blue home. Oh. So we worked on that. Yeah. But, and, you know, what we did with that was there were, there were elements that are customized for it that we were doing that so it was the model we we're working on was one level but there's actually two levels so there's a it's on a split on a lot that's sloping so the lower level um, oh, is nice. something that we designed and then they, they put the other piece on top of it so oh. sort of a marriage of of traditional architecture with uh, you know modern uh, factory built housing yeah i like it do you have a favorite type of style because i noticed um seeing your work you have great range it's not just one way Um, no it's not just one way but for the most part i would say uh, we like to do more modern architecture clean clean designs uh, open plans uh, with not a lot of doors and hallways but more open and, and inviting people Nowadays, when we're doing their homes, remodeling them or building new, they want a less formal environment so that they can interact with other members of the family and, and with friends who come and gather there for parties or whatever. That you know, So if you're in the kitchen and somebody's in the living room, you can see them. Maybe you can communicate yeah. with them. And, and formal dining spaces are generally not being done anymore. Um, and so we have what they call great rooms, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think they're more conducive to sort of the living style that we have now. When you do that, though, you, it doesn't mean that it, it's not of good um, – that, that the quality of it isn't such that you look at it and, oh, this is too casual because you can do architecture that is really um, quite elegant – and still have an informal layout of spaces, and that we've we've done that several times, and it I think has worked out well. Yeah, Does, do clients approach you as with just look, uh, Jack? I really don't know what to do, but this is what I kind of like. I mean that that informal of a description of what they want. Well, we, we try to encourage people to write out what what their goals are. They don't. We don't. We don't expect them to tell us how to do it. Um, but can you tell us what your goals are. What do you want? And and uh, maybe you've got some magazine clippings or these days uh, 
uh, links to a sure. house or something like that, right? And yeah. they say, gee, I kind of like this feeling. Yeah. And then you you take that and you take the, if they have or already have a house and you're remodeling it, well, you look at the physical facilities and you say, well, how do I fit all this in here? And and uh, try to translate what they've, the message they've given you to, you know, to to the design. And the, the, the tools we use these days are really great, I think, in terms of being more friendly for clients because the program we use is called Revit mm-hmm. and uh, Revit is a three-dimensional parametric program. So once you edit, you enter the elements, what you get is that three-dimensional model which you can then do um, re- real-time viewing of it and, all, and lots of different vantage points from the outside, from the inside, and clients can visualize things much better, you know, and, and really understand what we're doing. It used to be we had to do pencil sketches and yeah. show them what different... Do you ever, do you still do pencil just on your own just to keep that tactile feel? Yeah. You I mean, do? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And How do you feel that that's important as uh, the computer? I think for design, it's it's better to design by you know, get the concepts down like, with pencil yeah. and, and paper. Uh, I think it's much freer, more open, and you can just sit there with sketch paper, you know, and and go one layer over another over another, and it's very quick and easy. And that's how we were taught. Um, the current people coming out of school don't really seem to have that uh, facility as much. And, you know, I think it's invaluable. You know, when we meet with clients to describe, you know, to show them a design They'll look at it and then, and then they'll say, well, yeah, but that's interesting, but what about this? And so you have to, as an architect, you have to be ready with a sketch paper and a pencil and say, okay, well, how about this? And then draw something right on the spot. So there's a fair amount of pressure with that. And, and, uh, <laughs> you, have it to, mildly. you have to have some skill uh, to do it. Also, I, I think that very often what we do in our office is, uh, any presentation drawings, like if it's a perspective or whatever, we do it by hand because I honestly think it conveys the design much better. It's much more friendly. It's softer uh, to the viewer. And Really? Uh, they, Even they, with all the technological tools? Yeah, but you know, yeah. you can do computer renderings, but I think they're kind of cold. And they they look a little too precise, too, which is a drawback because then people expect everything to be all figured out <laughs> okay. and it's not figured out. Okay. Um, so we do a combination of the two, but often we just, uh, we, you know, more recently we just did, um, uh, uh, two concepts for a nonprofit and they wanted, uh, you know, what is the elevation likely to look like? And we gave them a couple of sketches of that and those were done really quickly. Uh, you know, maybe, um, 11 by 17 and then blown up to 24 by 36 so you get these broad strokes of the you know on on the on the paper that's uh you know really looks great you know i mean you can't do that really with a computer yeah yeah so do you do you feel the difference but to the to the client do you think they feel it as well that there's a certain I, I'm sure, warmth well, i guess i don't think it's self indulgent for us to do that i mean it's like i, I really think that people respond better to those to that kind of a presentation, you know, ultimately, yes, you you have to get more uh, detailed and, and precise. And you know, we're, we've got projects where you know, design a, uh, a four-story condominium building, and 
we're pretty much required to show how it fits in the context of the is the environment that it's going to be built in. So that really requires a um, computer renderings and you know working okay. with Google Earth and all that and putting it you know <laughs> and getting you know bird's eye views of it. Yeah, uh, in full color and everything is rendered. Yeah, what do you think of? Um, we're going to go, if you don't mind, back to Florence. Is it was so pedestrian and people were, ex- you know, there's just an exchange yeah. with the self-driving cars. And this is really throwing it out in the future. Do you think there may be somewhat of a return to that? Because you maybe uh, uh, you people won't need to drive as much, so something's driving them, and then they they're they're able to walk or bike. Well, it sounds like uh, crazy. Like you would um, think we're moving it, away from it. It's hard to imagine, you know, what's what's going to happen in the next ten years. But it's happening faster than I imagined it. And um, you know, like for instance, people are talking about, well, we need we need more lanes on Highway 101 so that we can ease the traffic there. But if you had cars that were autonomous in a certain way, I mean, well, even now Tesla, you could have headways between vehicles that are going at fairly high speed and it'd be perfectly safe. But, okay. you know, I mean, <laughs> so are we going to need these kinds of things like more lanes on the freeway? Do we, um, and what really affects design when you're doing multifamily or office design is how many parking spaces can you fit on the site? Because that's going to drive just about everything you do. It sounds very mundane, but if you can't fit the parking necessary to, and, and you can't have the project you want. So, um, but in the future, I could see that we don't need as many parking spaces because people are going to be, you know, calling up an autonomous vehicle that'll take them to their doctor's appointment see, or whatever it might be. See, Jack, as an architect, you get that. And as, especially if you're in a position of, uh, of leadership of the city, you're seeing that ahead. Not everyone sees that. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, what the future holds for us is, um, Hard to. I, mean, I think it could make a huge difference in our environment and how we live. Yeah. yeah. This is the Modern Architect, KZSU, ninety point one FM, Stanford. Emma's Revolution Show. You want to hear about that? Because activist musicians, Emma's Revolution will join choreographer Laura Swag and her multi generational company of dancers from Dance Visions for Sing Dance Resist. The show will take place on Friday, March 16th at 7.30 p.m. On Saturday, March 17th at 2 p.m. in the Caburli Theater at the Caburli Community Center in Palo Alto. Dancers from ages 6 to 76 will perform to folk songs about war, peace, refugees, climate change, women's rights, and more. For tickets or more info, visit emmasrevolution.com. Or call Laura. Give Laura a ring at 650-324-8751. Back to The Modern Architect. We're talking today with Jack Matthews, principal of John Matthews Architects and former mayor of San Mateo, California. For more information, feel free to visit www.matthewsarchitects.com. That's matthewsarchitects.com. Jack, what? Do you have any uh, advice or sage wisdom for aspiring architects in 2018? Well, get a good background in, in, in uh, you know, architects are sort of like um, Renaissance men and women. And, I love and, that. 
That's so, great. So, you know, you need to have kind of a broad range of, of, of um, things that you are interested in and study. So, you know, there's art, there's math and science and um, learning about, um, you know, your built environment. Uh, just there's various things like green green building okay. issues and all the things now with our environment that we have to really be more aware of and um, so develop those interests and, and study those things and then you know going to architecture school I would suggest going to one that's a fully accredited school and because that way you get full credit for the time you're there and um, it's a minimum of eight years of accredited <laughs> experience and education. And then you take the exams. Hopefully one year in Florence. <laughs> if least. you're lucky. If yeah. you're lucky. Yeah, that was a great experience for me. Yeah. I, I think, you know, arch- architects in the new, you know, in the new age will be doing all kinds of things that they didn't think about years ago when they started. Yeah, how, how has it changed, say, in the last five or ten years? Um, if you can kind of... Uh, I think, you know, for instance, I have clients who work from home. They don't, they don't commute at all. They just they work from home. So we're going to be looking at designing home environments for people that, that want to work there. There's um, uh, remote uh, you know, t- uh, communication with what, – what is that? Uh, uh, FaceTime. Tel- okay, yeah. And, and all those different – Skype, Skype and, yeah. and all those. You know, when I opened my office in San Mateo, uh, at the time that was not the most obvious place to open. It was more an obvious place would be San Francisco or Palo Alto. Because that's where there, there was more, you know, a concentration of architects and, and, and where people tended to go to find an architect. But over time, you know, I'd, I decided I didn't want to commute. And, and it worked out for me that um, because of the fact that, you know, we had fax machines and then we had <laughs> – you remember fax yeah, machines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, then, and now we have email. And, you know, uh, we can communicate – to wherever, to all around the world, and yeah. send drawings, and and I think that's just going to accelerate over time. And um, for for young architects, I would say try to get a, a variety of experience once you got out of school. Um, believe me, once you get out of school, that's just the beginning. Oh, um, you know, you yeah. you've got you've got the 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 foundation, and you have to build on that. And so, get a variety of experience if you can. And work for smaller firms and larger firms, and you'll find it. You know what interests you the most, and and stick with it. it it's a it's a long slog. Oh, <laughs> you said slug. It's a long slug. But yeah. Yeah, but but look at what you're doing for the, the the community. I mean, you really have an impact. There's a. I don't have the exact quote, but I know she's a. Uh, uh, a doctor, a physician at the University of Texas in Austin, and she said um, architects have more influence on human health than than we as medical professionals. What what's your thought on that? I don't I don't have it exact, but I know I've got the the essence of what she was saying. Well, that's an interesting point, um, and it's from a physician well, who said it. Well, for instance, at the very basic level, color can affect people's mood, and okay, if people. Yeah. Are calm, they're they're less stressed, and uh, they probably live longer. So that's a very uh-huh. basic level. That's very basic. Yeah, a very basic level. Also, designing uh, spaces that people can feel like they're part of something, they're part of a community. 
I think, you know, I, going back to my earlier comments, I think that's really important because um, if if you don't feel isolated, if if you have something to live for, I, I like, think you. I think you'll live longer. I like that. If you have something to live for, so you're looking to design space so that people want to live longer and engage more. That's partly true. Yeah, that's part. Yeah. That's a lot of it, and and I, I think they'll be much happier. You know, yeah. and and if people are happy, I think they they tend to live longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, but I'll, as I, I laugh, <laughs> and you do too. Yeah. But I've known some really mean old people, so. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow though, some of them, some of them really, you know, they're they're just too mean and they're they're they 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 are too stubborn. They won't die, but you know, I can't say that on the radio. Okay, you did. But yeah, I want. To, I, what's your thought on this quote? Um, it's from uh, Julia Morgan. Uh, Architecture is a visual art, and the buildings speak for themselves. Architecture is a visual art, and the buildings speak for themselves. From Julia Morgan. Well, uh, I think if, as an architect, if you have to explain what the building's about, you've, you've not been very successful. Oh, that's so cruel. But I get it, though. Yeah, I mean... You so, really have to put your heart and soul into you that. Put your heart and soul into it, and it speaks for you. And and so if... if, if you know, I, I remember when I was in school and you had to sell a design to your, your class and to your teacher, if if it wasn't... If you had to use a lot of words, then you probably didn't do a good job because it should be pretty obvious how you designed it and that it all fits together well. And uh, Julia was a great architect, by the way. And yeah, uh, she didn't go to Cal Poly, but that's where her drawings. Are. <laughs> that's where her drawings are. Is that right? Yeah. So how did they do that? There's, an, they... Ar- there's an archive there of her drawings, and I think it partly had to do with San Simeon being so close yeah. that um, she designed San Simeon, and um, so. The drawings that she didn't destroy are at, at Cal Poly. She destroyed a lot of her stuff. Why? When she retired, I think she just... S- said enough and... Yeah, set her on fire and that's it. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of setting on fire, I heard a piece on uh, 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 Picasso that sometimes he used some of his paintings in his early days when he was uh, starting as a uh, fire because he got cold, right? Yeah, he got cold and he couldn't pay for the heat, right. so he used, <laughs> he used his paintings for fire. That's amazing. Well, yes. Yeah. It boggles the mind what we're missing from some of this work. <laughs> Jack, is there anything else? That, well, there's a lot we still have, could have covered. I have a lot of questions, and I hope you consider coming back. But is there anything you'd like to share with uh, that we may not have touched on that you, you think is... Uh, Oh, well, is relevant you, and important for our listeners because uh, this well, is a terrific show. Of, one of the things that you know I'm proud of is you know, when I was in public service with the city is we put together a sustainability plan. And that plan, basically when we were doing that was when George Bush was president. And nothing was happening at the national level about global warming. Of course, we're, <laughs> we're in a more extreme situation now. Um, but um, at the time we said, you know what? We can't control what's happening in Washington, D.C. or in Sacramento, but we can do something about our city. And so we put together, you know, a plan to meet the Kyoto Accords and uh, did a, a, an assessment, evaluation of the carbon footprint of our city. And and uh, they're well on their way to making it happen. And, and we put together, we have a, committee, a, a, a commission just on sustainability in our city. So I'm very proud of that. And... And, and, you know, and I imagine aspiring architects might be interested in that's the kind of thing that you can make a difference in, even if it's not necessarily 
architecture is purely architecture. It, it all relates. Excellent. Jack, it's been a pleasure and an honor having you. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, likewise. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Jack Matthews, principal of John Matthews Architects and former mayor of San Mateo, California, my hometown. John Matthews Architects is a design-oriented, full-service architectural firm located in downtown San Mateo. Since its establishment in 1986, the firm's enjoyed working creatively and collaboratively with a wonderfully diverse set of clients, including homeowners, businesses, religious and community nonprofit organizations, developers, and local municipalities. For more information, feel free to visit www.matthewsarchitects.com. That's matthewsarchitects.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZSU Radio. Today, the recording engineer is Michael Betts. That's me. Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence. He's great. And we're all assisted, of course, by Caleb B. Smith. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. You're listening to The Modern Architect. Woo!